0: Go
1: Welcome back to the CSC Talk podcast. A big game ahead, but before that, Chelsea winning against Arsenal last week. Reese James scoring and an assist, an assist for him. Lukaku scoring on his debut and, and getting him out of the match on his debut as well. And an open play assist for Mason Mount. I'm going to reiterate that open play because a lot of fans think that he can't do that, but he, 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 he sure can. Um, a lot to talk about actually today. Chelsea players sweeping the UEFA awards and then the UCL draw as well. Hopefully not the, not, not the hardest of draws. Um, and, but we're playing Liverpool to battle out for the top spot after game week three. It could end as a draw, but at the end of the day that's not what we want to see as fans. Joining us tonight, Dan Hill all the way from the Chelsea social. Uh, an incredible writer an incredible personality on Twitter. I'm going to say that off the bat. One of the kindest people on Twitter I've ever met. Um, welcome to the episode how are you feeling dan how how's it how how has it been seeing chelsea on such a high the
0: last few weeks i feel pretty good after that introduction that was very flattering. <laughs> i'm not used to that so thank you so much um but yeah i'm feeling really good i mean i think it's been a positive transfer window and we've like, we've got Romelu romele lukaku so that's a big check in our in our favor and someone that we've we've needed you know that focal point up top so i, I feel pretty good um, the win against Arsenal was a good uh, confidence boost against the big team, so hopefully we can carry this momentum into this weekend.
1: I know against Arsenal there was a lot of confidence in terms of uh, Chelsea fans, but there was also that slight doubt in the minds because we know how Chelsea perform against Arsenal, and uh, sometimes we can just they can just show up and and, and put us uh, put us back to our place. Um, but thankfully that that's that's all over. Firstly, let's let's get into the first topic: transfers. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. There's a big a big news that's just come. Like I think a few hours before I was I was asleep and I just got up and I saw Cristiano Ronaldo might be heading to Man United now. So, um, however, whichever team he goes to, Man City, Man City, Man United, it does affect Chelsea um and i and i would personally say it does affect chelsea more if he goes to man city because they're more a title contenders than man united at the moment but does this mean man united are up for that trophy as well
0: if he goes there certainly i think certainly that's that's i think yeah. man united from, from my perspective i think they've lacked two key uh they lack in two key areas still as a focal number nine i like mason greenwood but i don't think he's a, a bona fide number nine yet um, and, and, yeah, number nine and uh, defensive midfielder. So I don't think they'll, they'll manage to address the defensive midfield issue before the end of the transfer window. But uh, Ronaldo, I think, probably a, one of the top five, top ten best players of all time. So I think he would strengthen anyone. And for the way that they play, I certainly think that uh, he would more, suit Man United more than Man City. But he would probably take Man City to another level in terms of goal-getting and finishing. So it's not a transfer I'd like to see as a Chelsea fan, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, let's see what happens. We'll see if, if United have the wherewithal to hijack this deal. But uh, either way, I hope it doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that to happen, to be honest with you. Because um, and especially hearing about him going, to City is is a bigger factor. Like we we heard about Kane going to City, and Chelsea fans are scared. You know, like they, that's the one piece that they're missing striker and then there's someone like Ronaldo combined with De Bruyne and Sterling and you know Mares, It's just it's just dangerous. It's just very dangerous. Um, but in terms of Chelsea's transfers a really good week actually. Bakayoko to AC Milan for a two-year loan with an option to buy uh, for 20 million. Emerson one-year loan to um, Lyon and then I think Napacosta Costa to Atlanta for 8 million pounds which is, I guess, as Chelsea fans, you would want all, all three players to be sold this, this window, but what we got out of this is still better than nothing. Um, and, and getting $8 million for Zappacosta is still a big deal, you would say?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think, uh, look, I don't think Zappacosta, a lot of Chelsea fans, from my perspective, what I see online, and uh, certainly my own opinion, is I, I think these players have been sort of hanging on to the books for a long while now. And I think as much as we have, well, Marina Graham Sky has done tremendous work to get players in, um, and she's still working on that. And the team is still working on that. I think it's been good to get players out as well. So securing loans for these players because Chelsea have an enormous squad. So to trim the squad and get uh, Zappacosta some first-team football uh, and get him out of the club and off the books, um, that's been good. And hopefully, I'm, I'm not sure of the, the details, but I'm sure that uh, Leon are covering some of at least some of Emerson's wages and. Uh, as well as uh, Bakayoko as well going to AC Milan, I think he will have hit some of his wages covered as well. And these are players who were never realistically going to make the Chelsea first-team squad, either on the bench or in the first 11. So it's good to have them off the books for now, as it were, and uh, hopefully with, with long-term plans to get them transferred permanently.
1: A nice important point that you mentioned there is this: is the salary. Um, and we know we know Chelsea are targeting Kounde and Shremeni at the moment. With, with in terms of Kounde, we seem like we've progressed a long way, and it, it is going to happen before the end of the transfer window. And what Chelsea fans need to realize is kind of players who go out and roll not loans um, almost have fifty percent or more of their salary paid by the club that they're going on a loan to, which means that we're getting we you know we've got the financial fair play that we've got to actually look at. We've just signed someone who's, who's almost a hundred million dollar, hundred million pound signing as well. So um, Chelsea are doing business. I mean, there are fans out there who who um, hate Marina's way of doing these transfers, but she's managed to get a profit out of it so far. We've we've signed Lukaku and made a fifteen million profit, and if we actually even more because that figure was released before Tammy Abraham was sold. Um, so it is it is incredible to see the way Marina goes about. Her business, Um, and what's most important is the Champions League. The Champions League with the draw that just happened yesterday. Are you happy with the draw, or do you think it could have been? It could have been easier for Chelsea, or it could have been a lot worse. And this is this is
0: perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely. If I may just uh, add on to your point, yeah, I think a lot of what Marina actually cops a lot of abuse from Chelsea fans online, simply because of her quote-unquote failures. And uh, with certain deals like Danny Drinkwater and, you know, players like that. But I think particularly in a COVID market where uh, clubs don't have a lot of money, I think she's found some really uh, good locations for the players, not only, but also she's been shrewd in moving players out. I think that she deserves a a lot of commendation for moving players out and getting Lukaku in. But, uh, yeah, transitioning to the... The Champions League draw, I must admit, I was waiting with bait and bread when Part 2 was drawn to what team we would get. But I think Juventus is a very top, very good team. Um, obviously, they didn't win Serie A last season, but they will still be proved to be a very stern test for Chelsea. But I think as draws go, that was probably as close as we could get with Zenit and Almo, um as well. I think they are... Look, Champions League is never easy, and you can't say that, oh, we're going to win so many games, but you don't want your group to be Hard. So I think as things go, if you look at Group A and Group B, I think we uh we got a we certainly got a good at the good end of the deal. Yeah, uh, there were there
1: were there were some some jokes going around after Juventus got thrown up with Chelsea that that Ronaldo's leaving because he's going to have to face uh Christiansen and, and Rüdiger and defense. Gea, <laughs> and so he's decided you know, let me just let me just stuck with stick with an English club and and not have to face <laughs> face them in the Champions League, but. Honestly, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with this draw. I I looked at Liverpool and and who they're facing. I think AC Milan. They're facing Atletico. They're facing Porto, and I was like, ooh, that is that is a group of death, right there. And then you've got some incredible fixtures in terms of Barcelona, PSG, um, which is going to be interesting to see as well, on on the side. But but as far as the awards go, Chelsea were incredible, and and I know I know I, I would say we were robbed in terms of Defender of the Year, uh, oh, yeah. I think, I think Rudiger should have won it, if not Aspilaqueta, who came second. Um, but Mendy, Kante, both deserving of their awards in terms of the positional ones, uh, in your opinion as well, because there were some, some people out there saying, how can Kante win midfielder of the year, but not win player of the year?
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, to go back to the point about Ruben Diaz winning, really, I think he had an incredible Premier League season. And I don't know, like, generally, I don't know what the criteria is for the, for these awards. I think that I was hearing and reading that there were differences in uh, the criteria for um, the, the player awards, you know, like goalkeeper and defender and the overall player of the year. So I think that's potentially a reason why there's a discrepancy between Tortinho winning the player of the year and Kante winning the field of the year. But to me, if you're judging the award purely based on the Champions League, it, it just defies logic. For, to have a, a player like Ruben Diaz win the award when the the defence, the Chelsea defence set a record, I believe, or tie, at least tied a record, having nineteen sheets in thirteen games. And particularly when you have uh, like profound incidents in the final where like Rudiger made that goal setting block, Christensen made the goal setting block. Aspelicueto made his own goal setting but where our the foundation of our game was very much the defence, so it's it's really odd to me to have uh, someone who's not from Chelsea winning the award for the best defender. You know, maybe individually Diaz could have been better in the Premier League, but even in the Euros you had really Goz a relatively standout performer for for Germany, even though they didn't progress. But uh, he didn't do any worse than, than Diaz. The euro. So I don't know, that was a bit of an odd one for me. But uh, on to a more positive note for Edward Mendy, that was thoroughly deserved. He, he's been a revelation since he joined. Kante, you can't argue with that. Two Man of the Match awards in the semi-finals and the final. I mean, that's unheard of. And, uh, yeah, the forward of the year for Erling Holland, that's not really going to really debate that. We were never really going to have a forward of the year in there. But, uh, yeah, I would have liked to. I, I guess maybe I'm getting a bit greedy. but. Uh, I would have liked to have seen us feel like the, the Defender of the Year. But uh, I'd like to also give a great nod to Jorginho for winning uh, Play of the Year. I know he's, he has received a lot of negative attention and criticism. I've criticised him in the past. I wouldn't I hear. think we all did at so, one point. I think all yeah, Chelsea fans
1: yeah. kind of went off on him when he had that bad run of form. Yeah. And we all said, you know what, he's not, he's not going to be able to play for Chelsea again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, as I said, I've criticised him in the aspects of his game, that I still do like But what he has done is show leadership and resilience. And what he does do well, he does very well. And it's it's very difficult, I think, to argue against him winning it. You know, people will obviously have their opinions, but I think for what he did, what he won, and the the roles he played for both Chelsea and Italy, he was undoubtedly one of the most important players for both. So he's not, in my opinion, undeserving of the award. Perhaps you could make a stronger case for Conte in the Champions League. And you could make a stronger case for someone like maybe Locatelli or Spinazzola or even Karate in the Euros. But overall, if you spread across both teams, you could say Jorginho was one of the standouts.
1: I think the famous graphic that's been going around is the one from Sky Sports, which is showing the, I think, the stats of Jorginho's stats in the Champions League and the Jorginho's stats in the Euros. And if you look at that, he's just first on every single list, almost every single list. If not, then he's equal second uh, on every list. So I think he's fully deserving. I think just looking at him is so like inspirational to see where he was and to where he's come so far and then become Player of the Year and be such an important aspect for Chelsea. Without Kante and Jorginho, we're so lucky to have these two defenders. Our team doesn't function. A lot of fans don't realize that, yes, they might not be. I know I know. Jor- Jorginho gets criticized for his lack of pace, for his lack of you know positional awareness sometimes, at times. But when he does what he does, he just knows what he's doing. He just does it right. And that's what's been benefiting Chelsea. I know a lot of people debate between whether we would have won the Champions League without Kante in the squad or without Jorginho. Like every single player who was in the squad was important. Every single player put in a shift and we did what we did. Um, and, and you can't just kind of uh, give, give one player more credit to the other player. I think the only, the only kind of explanation I could have for Georgina winning player of the year is because of the Euros and, and the Champions League combined. As, as Dan said, the, the positional awards are more Champions League based and, and the players, player awards are more, um, more, more of a UEFA kind of thing where, where they include the Euros and the, and the, and the, um, Champions League, so heavily deserved, Jorginho, I think it was it was great to see his speech as well. The, the part where he mentioned uh, not the speech, but with the video where he mentioned that he that he wants to thank the haters as well, who, who inspired him to work harder uh, as well. well what was his future like at Chelsea? Give him another contract, keep him here uh, next to Kante, and then if we even sign Kunde, uh, oh no, sorry, Shuamani. Uh, does, does anything happen, or does or Kante and Jorginho stay in that playing 11
0: for you? Uh, yeah, I think, well, can't, they're not getting any younger, so obviously there needs to be some kind of long term plan. But uh, I think he's certainly earned another contract. How long that contract will be, I don't know. It's not really up to me. But if he, I mean, w- what I take from it is the, the opinion of coaches who coach him, you know, and it's not a it's not an accident that he's been uh, a crucial part of a very, very good Napoli team. OK, fair enough, they didn't win Serie A. Uh, but he's been a crucial part of this Italy team that have now ended their trophy drought, as it were, of about 50 years, I think, since they won the World Cup, um, or made the final in the year of 2012. Um, and obviously now a, a crucial part of, uh, of Tuchel's uh, Chelsea in that double six. And Tuchel was even honest about uh, in an interview where he discussed his limitations and uh, said that when you sort of expose him uh, physically, he's not the best, but for what he does metronomically with the ball and his vision and the way that he keeps a, the team ticking over, he's essential for what we do in in position. And you can see him even when, uh, I, forget, I think it might have been in the Super Cup when he came on, I think he, he, he boosted the, the tempo. Yeah. I'm not sure if he started. Yeah. I don't know. Kovicic and Kante, I think, who started that game. And when, we were, when it was 1 0, he sort of calmed things down he, he changed the tempo. And he does that. And he's he had very standout performances, his ability to hold the ball and to move the ball and to direct proceedings. He's very, very good at what he does. And it's just unfortunate that he doesn't have the physical prowess of, of a, sort of an archetypal number six. If he did, I don't think there would be any questions that, as to his brilliance in midfield, uh, in because I for one have certainly come out, particularly in the Euros, it was a very good experience for me because I watched him without the emotion and emotional attachment to the team that I normally have, without that level of expectation. I just enjoyed watching him play. And you can see how good he is when you just watch him without that emotional attachment to his mistake.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's nice to watch the Euros as a neutral. Um, when you don't have your team kind of participating in the tournament, when you don't have to weekly sit there on Wednesday night and just think about whether you're going to be there the next week or not, uh, it is it is tough. So it's it's a lot, a whole lot like a lot, a whole lot like nicer to just see Chelsea players succeed without having the the extra pressure of uh, expectations and and requirements from them every game. Um, anything you want to add on in terms of the UEFA draw or the or the uh, the awards, or should we move on to Liverpool, the big game this weekend?
0: I think I should uh, I should definitely mention a word for our manager Thomas Tuchel. Oh yes, winning, winning manager of the year. We can't forget him. Um, I think he he's done a tremendous job since he uh, came he came in for our legend Frank Super Frank, and uh, he I, not more than that. I mean the impact that he had on the pitch and and winning the Champions League is there for all to see. But I think off the pitch as well, he had a very uh, very calming very effect on the whole club and just came in and he tried to build a harmonious atmosphere and he didn't shy away from any questions about Frank and Frank's legacy and what it meant for him to leave and everything like that. He was always honest about it. And uh, you know, and uh, in his press conference a few days, or maybe a week ago, when he said um, the board, perhaps, he told the board perhaps they let him go a little bit too early. Uh, those are the kinds of things that you really want to hear as a fan. You know, some may say, okay, maybe it sounds a bit too good to be true. And that's certainly something that, uh, Chelsea are often guilty of, you know, especially when we get too comfortable with the manager, then suddenly they're out the door. But, um, I don't know. Everything for me that, uh, he has done since he's come in has been top notch, you know, from start to finish. And, uh, I really enjoy him as a person. We heard a lot of horror stories about him falling out with boards and, you know, being combustible or having PSG at Dortmund. But uh, that's certainly not how he's been at Chelsea. I think the fit has been very good. And his willingness to be hands-off and just coach the team and give his input to the hierarchy and let them do their thing has been very, very good.
1: I, I, don't, I don't know if this is just me or just uh, a lot of fans, but I, I'm getting a lot of feeling from the from the Antonio Conte season the first season when he won the league. I hope it doesn't end the way that it ended with Conte, but... You know, the way he's just reconnected the fans back with the club. I know Frank Lampard did that through the legendary status he has at Chelsea, but slowly fans did kind of want to switch the manager around. I know there's a lot of debate about how Lampard should have been given more time after what he did in season four. And in my opinion, I would just say Lampard was the right person at the wrong time. A bit, bit more experience, a bit of more managerial uh, experience in, in other clubs. And he would have been probably a great manager at chelsea would you not agree before fans just batting him out and, and abusing him for for a loss or uh, a bad
0: performance yeah and uh, the thing is the argument i always come back to when it comes to frank is in my opinion he took the job when no one else wanted it you know? and he held his hand up though he was inexperienced he took it off a year just after a year of management and that's that's commendable in in and of itself um and like you said, right, right manager, wrong time. And there's no reason to, to me to suggest that he can't come back at some point. Look at Allegri's just gone back to Juventus. Uh, Zitane went back to Real Madrid. You know, not to say that Frank is a third of that caliber yet, but there's no reason to rule out the fact that he could come back. And even in his conversations and the work that he did, I think for the Euros, I forget which uh, TV channel it was. It might have been ITV. Um, he, He was not at pains to make it known, but he was clear that Chelsea was still his club and he didn't have any ill feeling. And the fact that Tuchel's also gone to great steps to, to, well, great steps, but he's messaged him and they've they've exchanged good words shows that Frank has no bitterness. Perhaps he was upset, obviously, naturally, when he left, um, because it's his club, it means a lot to him, but certainly to me, there seems to be nothing to rule out him coming back. I just genuinely wonder, genuinely wonder, where his next job will be, given that uh, League jobs are uh, all filled at the moment. But uh, I hope his next step in his career is at a good club that allows him to grow and gain coaching experience, so that one day he can hopefully come back.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, But the next topic, the next big topic in hand is Chelsea and Liverpool. You can't smile and get excited, you can't just get excited for that game lukaku versus van dyke finally happening the debate has been going on between fans for a long time you know whether lukaku will succeed or not i know in previous meetings so the two the two uh players or at least lukaku hasn't had the best of times uh however this is this is under thomas ducal now this is a fresh start for lukaku um your thoughts on on on, on what's going to happen on on saturday afternoon
0: this is the big, the big tussle, isn't it? This is the, this is the, this is the benchmark for Romilly Lukaku. And the thing is, for me, uh, Virgil Van Dyke, he's just working his way back from that terrible injury that he suffered last season. And, uh, look, I'm not, uh, I'm a fan of Van Dyke, the player. I'm not a fan that he plays for Liverpool, to be quite honest, as tribalism as it is. But, uh, I think he's a superb player. And this will be the, the real test for, for Lukaku because, as you saw against Arsenal um, with Pablo Marie and Rob Holding, when centre-backs are smaller than him and slower than him, he really eats them for breakfast. But Van Dyke is as big as him and as quick as him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Lukaku target the other centre-back instead of Van Dyke. But the problem is Van Dyke has got such terrific recovery pace that even if he gets the best of a and other centre-back, that Van Dijk will probably, they'd probably be there to cover, but I think that's, it's been billed as Lukaku versus Van Dyke and we're all hoping as Chelsea fans that he gets the better of Van Dyke, but for me, that's probably not necessarily what needs to happen for Chelsea to win the game, because Lukaku, as long as he occupies Van Dijk, and takes him essentially out of the game, then I think, to me, that means that we can potentially with the other players that we have, like Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, uh, maybe Ventura, or Marcus Lonsaft, the left wing back, Chris James on the right, we could potentially exploit uh, whatever space is left by Lukaku occupying Van Because I think when you play Liverpool, you play Virgil van Dijk, it's very difficult to dominate him. But as long as you can occupy him and get him away from the wall and open up a little bit of space, I think that that is potentially the way to go.
1: I don't know if you will agree on me with this, is but um, because of how high Liverpool, how, of how high a line Liverpool play, that you know we could actually even make use of Timo Werner, who's got that pace. Lukaku could be used up to hold up defenders to hold up that ball, and then for Werner to make those runs, or, or maybe even when Werner's making those runs, we know how we know how great he is off the ball. Would that be something Chelsea would be looking to do? Maybe bring him back in the team. So I know on the sheet I've written, is it is it Lukaku versus Werner who starts, or is it Lukaku and Werner at the same time, and then you play one one of the other, and, and you use both of them?
0: Yeah, I'd love to see a like almost a control view or copy paste of uh, you know, the inter formation with Lautaro and Lukaku who did a lot of damage. Um, but I, I was reading the other day uh, a little snippet of, of the fact that Lukaku dominated every centre back in. Except Giorgio Chiellini and Christian Romero, who's now a top one. And I think both defenders. I haven't seen too much of Christian Romero, but I know Chiellini is very wily and very wise. He's not physically imposing, but he's very—he's a very clever defender. So I—I I would love to see Werner, um play next to Cark. I think that would be a, a rather clever formation change to metaphor by Tuchel to make because it could certainly throw up a lot of. Uncertainty to the Liverpool backline. You know, you've got one big, strong, powerful, quick forward, and then you've got one lightning quick forward that you have to that you have to uh, think about. But I think for Timo Werner, if he does get the chance, this is the time. it has got to be, he's got to. I know it's it's, um, it's pressure on him. He, he had pressure last season, but I think opportunities this season will be a little bit more limited for him because he's got so much talent to compete with. And, but if he does start, I will back him. But uh, I think he needs to deliver, and if he can deliver in a big game against Liverpool and hit the winner or something like that, that would be a huge benefit for his his self esteem and his confidence.
1: It's it's a nice headache to have for Thomas Tuchel. Have eleven players in, in three positions to pick from, and especially when when most of the players in that in those positions are in form. You know, you've got Lukaku, Mount, Kai Havertz, as uh, Hakan who, who are all performing really well, and, and sadly you can only pick. Three of those, um, and and let's let dive a little bit into that, and then pick a Chelsea eleven that we think should start or we think would start, um, on on Saturday afternoon. So I think I think the goalkeeper position would go uncontested. Mendy has to start for both of us. Or, oh yeah,
0: Mendy Mendy to start.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then you would in terms of the defense, five at the back with Rudiger, uh, and and Christiansen are solidified. Who would be your right center back?
0: I would I would play. I would play Aspi, but I'd be worried about him against one-on-one against Mane. Uh, if we had Kunde, I would play Kunde, but we don't quite have done. And
1: maybe maybe, maybe Chalva in there, or is that too early for him? Oh, that, mm,
0: yeah, he's quicker than Aspi, but I think the people often underrate Aspi's game awareness and his ability one-on-one, so I think he would be annoying for Mane if not quite as quick. I just worry if the game gets a bit stretched and Mane is allowed to run because he's so fast, so good, uh, but I would certainly play. I would play without, You need experience in big games, especially away from home. And uh, I trust. I, I trust Trevor. He played well against rail and Palace, So it's not an indictment on him. But I think away at Anfield, massive game. I, I would certainly. I would trust Aspiewu at right centre back. And yeah, I'll go uh, similar to our back five against against Arsenal. i would go Reese at right wing back, and once again at left wing back. Not. Not to say that Ben Chilwell shouldn't start, but I think he's he's still working his way back to fitness. So Alonso's had a full preseason, so I'll go for those two at the
1: I agree with you on the on the Ben Chilwell and Alonso thing because um, Alonso has had a great few games. We we can't lie about that because he scored that goal against Rista Palace. He created more chances than any other Chelsea player. Uh, against Arsenal, so he's been having a great time. The only kind of issue I have with Alonso is sometimes that his defensive awareness is not there. And um, no no disrespect to Crystal Palace or Arsenal, but their wingers aren't as fast as, as Mo Salah. And I just feel yeah. like Mo Salah will be turning Marcus Alonso around a lot. And because yeah. Alonso is a lot plays a lot higher, likes to attack a lot more, he might be caught out in different a few occasions where Rüdiger might have to pull out and, and help him out in that position leaving space in this in the, in the central area for them to kind of create any chances which is which is the only concerning thing for me but at the same time we could kind of say or I, I would say that the hasn't had a lot of game time leading up to this game so putting him right in there um, I don't know if that makes sense or if, if that's too early or at or, or we should save him up for, for the next next game week.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's a big, there's always a big opportunity cost if you do it. The economic you know, opportunity cost of uh, Marcus Alonso, and that he's so good attacking-wise, like there's huge space behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, and for have to have Alonso there whipping the ball in and you know just uh, running at Liverpool's right right centre back would be quite be quite cool. He's not quick, but I mean he's a bit wily on the ball. He always seems to never to lose the ball, and uh, he's very decisive in the attacking areas. So that would be good. But the, tra- the trade-off uh, is that his, his lack of defensive wins and his recovery, his lack of recovery, pace, and ability would always, be, would always have the potential to hurt us. So I, I still would start yeah. him. Start a lot, so it was incredible for me to say because I'm not his biggest fan. He's <laughs> a good Chelsea fan, I always back him. But I, I have my, my criticisms of Marcus Long. Um, but yeah, I, I would start him. He's, he's fitter than Joe at the moment. He's in form. So he's always dangerous from a free kick as well so you never know we could uh maybe get one get a free kick if he could pop into the into the top corner again so yeah i, I would give him the game certainly.
1: i agree i would i would still start Alonso, um even though his his defensive capabilities aren't the best uh, at, at the moment but uh, right right but right right wing back is i think this is a very easy position as well in terms of free change starting or do you want to give
0: kind no, I think James, yeah. so uh, Callum, I like Callum for his directness and his the attacking mouse uh, that he brings to the right wing back role. But what I don't like is his defensive ability in that role. He's not a defender, so that's not a surprise. It's not a criticism of Callum. I just don't think he's a right wing back. You know, and Tuchel's played there, played in there against sort of quote unquote smaller teams, and uh, for his directness when we have more of the ball and we're overloading the wings he's perfect to have it but you're going to have he's probably going to have Robertson maybe Robertson probably running at him or Simico's running at him and uh, going to have Mane running behind him and is he going to want to go up and down the wing all all game his natural instincts will take him further up the pitch and he'll leave a big hole on the right and a big hole on the left with a long serve. so that's a bit of a I think that's too much of a problem if you're going to start Callum you've got to start Ventura it might, it might yeah. if you if you start Alonso, you've got to start Reese J. Like in terms of competition, because yeah. Reese is Reece is brilliant defensively. I don't think you can start Callum and Alonso. I think that, that that will be a recipe for There be too much space behind yeah. both of them. And Aspie uh, and Rüdiger won't have the best of days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be stressed, but pulling their hair out for half time. But um, yeah, I I would start Reese and uh, yeah, he's been impressive. Um he's been he was wonderful in the Champions League final. And I'm a big fan of Rich James. I think he's got a huge potential. People forget how young he is as well. I think he's what, twenty one going on, twenty two, maybe twenty two already, I'm not, not exactly sure of his birthday. But uh yeah, he's a terrific player, he's a Chelsea Academy boy and he's uh he's also demonstrated against Arsenal his tremendous ability to whip the ball into the kaku. So I think he's he's certainly set to benefit long term from from uh, someone to aim at. So yeah, he's also a very good attacking weapon, so as well as a very defensively sound player. So and he's also shown the capacity to rotate with Aspie at right centre back. So if Aspie being overrun by Mané, there's an easy switch there um, if necessary. So I think there's there are huge benefits to start.
1: I just want to apologize
0: from here on. The audio is really choppy, so we decided to remove that part of the episode. However, I didn't want to delete the whole episode and um, take up Dan's time and not upload anything. We still had a great discussion before this point, I and mean, even after this point. So I have uploaded that part. I, we do apologize for that, and I will be sure to bring on Dan hopefully sometime tomorrow um, for the Liverpool review or whenever he's available next again to have a proper chat. Um, I just want to apologize to the viewers as well as Dan himself for taking up his time and not uploading the full podcast.